Ladies and gentlemen, this is FM 91. W-E-G-L-O-B-E-N. Hello everyone and welcome to another exciting episode of Compact Discourse right here on WEGL 91.1 FM, Auburn's premier home for student-run radio since 1971. I am your host, Jack Hart, joined alongside my color man, Davis Carroll, and the incomparable Alex Houston. We'd like to welcome in our listeners and viewers from across the Auburn and Opelika Megaplex, as well as around the world, however you may be tuning in today, whether that be on your terrestrial radio antenna through the information superhighway at WEGL fm.com or tuning in after the fact on transistor.fm or watching us on eagle eye tv we are happy to have you here in the booth with us for auburn's only student run drive time morning show and now as always we are broadcasting live from the bradley Bates and wegl studios here in the bowels of the harold melton student center on the campus of auburn university where it is a sunny and 50 degrees outside this monday morning welcome you into compact discourse we wish you a most sincere good morning from here on the extreme edge of the central time zone as we all get adjusted to the time change. It was a bit brighter this morning than we were all expecting, so I hope we're all adjusting to that well. Davis, how are you feeling today? Now you're tired? I am a bit tired. I made it back home to Auburn about 1.30 last night and fell asleep to about 2. But you know, I woke up right at 7, felt fine, so I figured I had to come in. Had to. This guy, always curious. Where, What's up, where, Alex? Where Good were morning. you, Davis? I'm very curious, yeah. <laughs> you don't get to know. You made me mad earlier. Oh, oh my gosh. Davis, you're always mad at me regardless of what I do, so I think... I was at a concert in Birmingham. Ooh, what concert? Isaiah Rashad. Ooh, very exciting. Yeah. How me was and, it? It was pretty good. Me and Luke went there. Dubs. There's a lot of people yelling at him the whole time, like trying to crack jokes like they were comedians, but they weren't funny. So That's unfortunate. Yeah. I hope, I hope it didn't ruin the experience for you. Only partially. Just just a little bit. The concert was good enough that I don't care. Don't care. I do care, obviously. I just mentioned it. But, hey, here we are. All right, Alex. I will throw it over to you. How are you feeling on this uh, this Monday morning? You, you ready for another week of excitement here? Well, I certainly am, despite the garbage state of my weekend. I started off things strong by seeing Dune in theaters. I had only seen it on, my HBO, on HBO Max on my computer. It was awesome. I recommend anybody who can see it on the biggest screen. Just over here. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I'm doing pretty good though. I like the time change. I always like gaining the extra hour, extra hour to procrastinate and do my homework, but it's all right. Yeah, this week, a lot of, a lot of important stuff happening for me school-wise, but very excited to be back for some compact discourse on That's this Monday morning. Good to hear. All right. At this point, I would like to remind our audience at home or wherever you may be listening today that at any point in the next two hours, you feel so inclined to ask us a question, give us a hot take, or in the highly unlikely event that we get something wrong, if you'd like to correct us, you can go ahead and call in at 334-844-844. W-E-G-L, that's 334-844-9345 on your touchtone keypad. You can also send us a tweet at CDiscAU, and our dedicated team of call screeners will handle your inquiry post-haste. All right, we're going to jump right into the show today, and I think there's no better way place to start than Auburn versus Texas A&M over the weekend out west in Texas as an SEC West matchup for the Tigers and the Aggies ended up not going the Tigers' way as the offense continued to 
uh, underperform on the road in uncharacteristic performance so far that we've seen this season. So it looks like Bo Nix is up to his old tricks. So I'm interested to see what you guys thought uh, watching it watching it um, at home on your television. What what CBS was up to while I uh, watched it from I think somewhere around 600 feet in the air. I think I think that'd be a, a fair assessment. So good, that's a fair assessment indeed. Yeah. Uh, well, for what CBS was up to, they were making sure nobody would be sad that they will be no longer hosting the SEC in a few years because just about everybody was losing their minds due to how many random commercials there were. I was watching it on Paramount Plus. I don't have Directv, right? And there were just random moments where it would just be silence and there'd just be a black screen, and then they'd come back from commercial. I'm like, oh, that's great. That was that was not ideal. But the game itself, um. Davis, how would you describe the game? Pitiful. It was the worst. It was the worst game I've ever seen Auburn play. Well, you Maybe didn't watch 2012 ever. then. Yeah, I didn't watch 2012. I was like 11. Fair enough. I was too busy playing outside. Fair, no, I, I, I certainly wasn't. Um, it's certainly one of the worst Auburn performances of the last eight years, going back to 2012. Because obviously, every single game in 2012 is automatically worse than this one by mm-hmm. far. That's correct. The only real comparison I can think is 2017 Clemson in terms of I remember that one. As pitiful performance. I mean, if if Auburn has a better kicker, they score the exact same amount of points they do against Clemson. So, the only the only big difference is the big turnover, right? And the missed field goal are kind of the difference between those two performances in my book. 11 sacks is ridiculous. I mean, it's it was just a wholesale pitiful performance and I think we're finally this was the game where we were going to see you know, and this is the game where we saw exactly what state Gus Malzahn left the program in because he completely laid an egg on the recruiting trail and offensive linemen for the last three years of his tenure. Eston Harrison, uh, what is it? It's Drew Bobo, right? That's Mike Bobo's son. They're both three-star offensive linemen. They're the highest-rated offensive line recruits Auburn has had in four years. And I'm not a star guy. I, I'm not one to just, you know, slap the table and say you got to get five stars only. Three stars are bad because three stars aren't bad. But the fact that a three-star in the rating system is the highest you had in four years is ridiculous. And it, it should not happen in an SEC school, let alone an SEC school that competes with the likes of LSU, Alabama, and Georgia every single year. Go, I mean, I, I, I can't necessarily – I will look during the break and see their offensive line recruit, re- recruiting over the past few years, but I guarantee you it's better than that. And you're seeing it. Um, this Saturday, because certainly there's a lot of criticism to be had for a lot of people. There's criticism to be levied at Mike Bobo, for one. A lot of the play calling wasn't ideal. The random read option that would turn into Bo passing the ball that they have not run all season, that they ran five times, it didn't work once. That was, in my opinion, a dumb play to run, because it didn't work the first time. Why are you going to keep running it, right? But he, he has, he's basically calling plays with both hands tied behind his back when his offensive line is not any good and his receivers are not good either. They were not as bad as they were against Georgia, but a lot of drops. Now, were the were those drops as impactful on the game as they were against Georgia? Absolutely not. No. The Georgia ones were consistently throughout the game that completely halted drives. When these happen, any momentum this Auburn offense was trying to get, even on their last like last gasp drive, they get a big 21-yard gain on a first down, and just Kobe Hudson just drops it right in the middle of the field. And they, they, they ended up having to go backwards, and then Bo takes a sack, and that completely torpedoes the whole drive, right? Yeah, I mean, it was. I mean, they were going blow for blow on drops with with A and M exactly. But at, at the same time, if you execute on that, you have such an advantage that it's almost not even a close game. Exactly, and the difference is with A and M, their offensive line showed up. 
every single time Tank Digby got the ball, it felt like he was having to fight for his life just to get a few yards, where Isaiah Spiller, as great as he is, had a lot of very gaping holes to run through at times. Yeah. By comparison, which that's of course is a testament to the better A and M defense versus Auburn's defense. Though so I think Auburn's defense played great uh, this Saturday. The O line was just awful, I and they they've, they've yeah. been bad since 2017. Auburn's defense played spectacularly. Exactly, I mean, they held A and M to six offensive points. If you don't count the field goal at the end of the game, which probably wouldn't have transpired if things had gone differently. Um, so, I mean, even even Auburn's performance against Georgia offensively could have beaten that. It's just six points. Yeah, I mean it. It was it was it was com- a complete. Yeah, I mean it's just a lot of missed opportunities and a lot of bringing brought back down to earth. I would say for this team because I think a lot of people started looking ahead toward the SC champ or the Iron Bowl and the potential SC championship game a little too early, myself included. I'll admit, and I think you know at that point you've kind of got a. It's just just a dud of a performance from the offense and. Certainly, a lot of the blame goes on Bo again, but the offensive line did him no favors. The lack of an established running game really did him no favors, and the wide receivers, again, didn't do him any favors. So, just to completely go back to the drawing board game. But, bright side, Derek Mason, I'm pretty sure there should not be any more real criticism levied at him for the remainder of the season. In the last, in the last six quarters of play, his defense has allowed 15 points which is an incredible number, especially against Ole Miss and A&M at home. This A&M team that scored what? What was it, 42 against Alabama? No, no, it wasn't. It was 41, I want to say. 38. 41. Yeah, it was. Okay, yeah. So there you go. Um, So I think Derek Mason, not necessarily – he didn't save his job in quotes because his job wasn't in jeopardy, but I think he – you know, now we're going to hear a lot more positive things about him. And about this, about this defense. But now the offense has to go back to the drawing board. They've got two games coming up against two bad defenses. Now's a chance to turn it around. Because there's a lot left to play for. And the season is certainly not over by any stretch of, any stretch of the imagination. But we'll wait and see. Yeah, I've, I found the play calling to be another big issue offensively. Um, the, the thing that was getting to me was, especially as Auburn, it was, uh, what, I think, three to three maybe six to three at this point whenever the missed field goal was Auburn had it uh first and 10 from the A&M 17 and obviously didn't didn't pick up the uh didn't pick up the sticks but on fourth down they went for a goal line fade rather than try to pick up the first down at the seven and I think that was pretty much the most in a in a game where points are at such a premium to the point that you've only scored six combined the entire first half I don't see why you don't try to pick up seven on, with, a, with a screen pass and get four shots at the end zone rather than just throw one fade that the wide receiver loses in the air. Okay, so for some reason, I can't remember them going for it on fourth down. I don't know why. I watched the entire they, game. They didn't go for it on fourth down. Oh. It was when they missed the field goal. Oh, so it was that third it down It was the play. third down goal line right. fade. Rather than try to get the sticks at the seven, they went took a shot at the end zone on third down. I think that was maybe more Bo's decision to go for the end zone. I don't know. That, no, he should have caught – Kobe Hudson should have caught that. That's 100%. true. Also, that also was a good he throw. He just lost in the air somehow. Which again, that's that's again, that's that that was a perfect throw. And in reality, the decision would have worked. It's much like uh, the the onside kick against LSU. I think he's a comparison where the execution wasn't there, but the play call itself, I think, was worth it. I think you, I think you got to get that touchdown there. And not to mention, I think you're also relying on your field goal kicker not to miss a kick and torpedo your momentum. But 
Andrews Carlson's kind of returning to freshman 2018 form right now, it seems, with this uh, performance in 2021 so far. Missed extra points and seven, or no, seven, six missed field goals so far this season. Yeah, that, I, it didn't, it's hard to believe, but in a game where points are at such a premium like this one, probably the the most point premium Auburn game Auburn has played in the past five years or so, especially uh, that missed field goal was effectively, you know, like a touchdown against Auburn in, in terms of momentum. Yeah. That's what it felt like. It, it, re- it really torpedoed it, and then it just it got worse and worse from there. And just a complete dud of a performance on offense. I keep, I, that's the word I kept going back to just because I couldn't really. Well, yeah, there's there such a little life. I mean, it was frustrating because there was a lot of life. There were big plays. There were execution. There were passes over the middle that were caught well, but – they couldn't string together a touchdown drive, which they, was very frustrating yeah. considering how well, I mean, they were throwing for first downs and, and rushing. I mean, the screen passes were working from time to time more so than they usually do. And it was just, it was unfortunate to see as the game went on, the lack of fight from the offense to get the sticks. It seemed to be they were just biding their time. A lot of tank, tank would try to cut it left and right rather than just grab the sticks and, and play another down, as did Bo. It, it it was a it it seemed like a, a lack of heart at some point. I think I think it was just a team that didn't really know how to react in this game for whatever reason when their backs were truly against the wall and they felt like they couldn't get anything going. Much like when Bo loses his composure, stuff kind of starts to go sideways, and it did. And just another, I mean, again, brings the team right back down to earth. And rather this this rebuild which is what I will start calling it, to be honest, is going to take some time. Mm-hmm. And I think there's going to be a lot – because, again, this is – again, they have had no offensive line recruits, and it shows when you can't execute the game plan. And that's what happened. From whatever reason, from – the reason they run screens is because they don't believe that Bo can sit in the pocket for more than two seconds without somebody getting to him, or they don't believe the receivers can catch anything over the middle. Two things I think is a fair assessment because they can't. Mm-hmm. And that's what really leads to – a play calling that looks so inconsistent because of the fact that they don't really know what they're working with and that they can trust the players to execute because when they did call a lot of plays, they didn't execute either. So. Looks, yeah, looks like that miracle season we had all uh, hoped for heading into this weekend is uh, going to have to take a little bit of a, a pause as we uh, get ready for Mississippi State. And you got to take care of business against the Bulldogs if you want any chance of making things happen later on this month. So we'll look forward to that and a lot more, including a breakdown of the rest of what happened in college football this weekend. A lot of ranked teams went down, including a shakeup to the college football playoff poll that will come out tomorrow as the Spartans go down to the spoiler makers. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Compact Discourse right here on WEGL 91.1 FM. I'm your host, Jack Hart, joined alongside Davis Carroll and Alex Houston. Over the break, it was brought to my attention that our YouTube live stream was still displaying our previous YouTube live stream's title, which was the Auburn hockey team's game against uh, University of Georgia club hockey team, which happened on Friday night. So I want to thank everybody who tuned in to that as uh, for the first time in a very long time, I did turn over the reins of an Auburn hockey broadcast to somebody else so I could make the trip out to Texas 
and it was probably the most spectacular Auburn hockey broadcast we've ever had. As uh, we, for the first time in Weagle history, we had a video component, we had a score bug, we had um, I think four people on the crew for it. So it was a, a, a technical marvel, and I'm uh, happy that that uh, the guys were able to take care of things while I was away from my post. So. Uh, if you want to check that out, you can uh, listen to it exactly how you're listening to this if you're on YouTube. Just go to WEGL 91.1 on YouTube and look at Auburn Club Hockey versus Georgia 11-5-21 if you want to uh, check it out. should be a lot of fun. Auburn did not win the game. They lost uh, 3-2 in, a, in overtime, sadly, or a penalty shootout even. So it was an exciting game. I'm excited about the hockey team this year. They seem to be a, a good squad put together. Georgia's a strong team. And I uh, just couldn't get it done on Friday night, but that's okay. We'll uh, bounce back and look ahead to the spring season. Definitely. And, uh, all right, Auburn versus A&M. Unfortunately, we still have to talk about it for a little I bit. I don't know if we have to talk about it. Um, I, just wanted to, what's, what's, I just wanted to look at some stats. They're bad. They are not great. Um, Zach Calzada, 15-29. I mean, you shouldn't lose to a 15 to 29 guy unless your quarterback is 16 for 31 which i think is what bonix was bonix was 20 for 41 oh and when you start seeing his attempts get up above 35 you know auburn's had a rough road game yeah exactly there there i don't think there's really ever a reason when it should get that high i think i don't know one 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 thing i was disappointed is they didn't run him as much as they normally do like there's that play they do where they Motion Shivers behind him, and he runs. They ran it once, and they tossed it to Shivers, which made sense to me because I think everybody, and I, I, I was included in this, assumed, ah, the defense will know what's coming because they've only ever run that play to Bo. But oddly enough, it still would have worked because the defense was waiting for Shivers but wasn't waiting for Bo, and they never ran that play again, which was kind of disappointing. They've, already, like, they've only ran it like three other times in the season. And it's, wor- it's worked every time. Well, yeah, Auburn's offense, known for doing things that work. I mean, I, they they threw the same screen to the running back who leaked out like five times in one drive, they and was, it didn't work any time. That normally is not really a play call. That's kind of what something do you mean? Where, it's not normally play. I think that's normally game. where Bo decides to throw it there. No, it, literally his first read, he leaks out, throws it to the running back. I think that's the decision that he makes. More, that's not no more so than if he was if he was making other reads and then looked. That's his decision. But if it's his first read and he throws it to them. And he always throws it too high, and half the time they drop it, but every time they get hit in the backfield. One time it worked, the whole game, and they called it. Worked, it worked like twice. No, it didn't. It worked like trust twice. Trust me, it didn't. I trust you. I watched the game. You watched the game. You said half the time was a black screen. I watched no, it on no, no, TV. I, I said that was when there were commercials, uh-huh, Davis, not uh-huh. during the game. Trust me. Don't be unruly. Bad word choice. It's, I mean, it's I'm, not a, I'm not a soccer hooligan. Oh, Lord. You might be. I'm done. All right. I think we need to be done talking about this Auburn and A&M game. Other than it's, uh, it's, it's in the past now. You, obviously, you learn from it, and you use what you learn to take on your remaining three conference games, but you can't let it – you can't let it – the stink of this game carry on through the rest of November is my mentality on this. Because, I mean, if, if this offense shows up to Columbia, we've got real issues. Well, uh, yeah, I mean, I think, I think, I don't think it will because I don't think South Carolina is as good as A and M, specifically on the defensive side, nor is Mississippi State. But um, I think, you know, 
the issue is if this offense shows up against Alabama, then you're in trouble because you've also got to keep pace with the top offense. Mm-hmm. Regardless of Alabama's struggles, it's still Alabama, and it's still a good team. It's still a great offense, and Auburn's got to be able to keep pace with them and match them, and if they can't do that, that's when they're in trouble. But then again, you know, this Mississippi State team, I mean, they're a top 25 team, so you never know. Yeah, but, you also never know who the – playoff committee is going to put in the top 25 that's true that's true i i'm going to put some serious money on mississippi state dropping like two spots even after a big a big w against Ar- arkansas what do you mean a loss yeah whoops they'll arkansas will probably just skyrocket into like the top 12 for whatever reason and then it'll be like ah oh, yes this makes a lot well, of that, sense they'll realize that they accidentally flipped mississippi state and arkansas's rankings the previous week. they must have got them confused and they'll correct it yeah that's the only that's the only possible explanation i mean it's just uh Every week it's the same thing, but I don't know. I think I think right now, you know, take it one game at a time. Realize, the, to be quite frank, as much fun as it would have been to have a, oh, it's an odd year, which means Auburn's going to make a run and beat some people. Realize that this might take some time, and it might be a few years before this team gets to playing exactly like what Brian Harson and what the fans want. Patience is the key here, because the fact of the matter is, Auburn fans have been spoiled with their last two head coaches. Gene Shizik wins a national championship in year two. Gus Malzahn goes to one in year one. That's not how most coaching things happen. Most of the time, you go seven and six and lose to Louisiana Monroe in your first year. Now, Mm -hmm. certainly what happened in their second year wasn't typical for Alabama, but that's what normally happens. So patience is key for the team and just everybody, really, because, again, it's going to take a while. And... Right now, the focus should be on winning the games that are in front of you, not looking ahead to possible SEC championship ap- as, uh, aspirations. Yes. Because if AM loses next week to Ole Miss, Auburn's right back in it. Because if AM loses, then Auburn controls their own destiny again. But that's, that's not the, that shouldn't be the focus of anybody, in Don't my opinion. Get your hopes up. That's why, that's why I'm saying if. If. Lots of ifs. So that's that. All right, and with that to that, we will jump on over to the rest of your college football scoreboard from over the weekend. There was uh, plenty to get to from uh, Saturday's slate, starting with, uh, we'll throw it over to Missouri, who was hanging with Georgia for like a quarter, and Georgia ran away with it. So, Yeah, Missouri's bad, Georgia's really good. I'm not sure if there's a team that's going to beat Georgia this year, which some would say is unfortunate. I would say it's very much reality. That is true. Uh, we'll uh, we'll jump over to the Big Ten, where Ohio State beats Nebraska for I think the fifth year in a row. Not close. No, it was close. It was close. Yeah. Doesn't look very close. What's the, what was the score? I mean, it was twenty-six to seventeen, but I think they were up seventeen nothing at one point. As in Nebraska was up seventeen nothing. I think Ohio State was up. Well, let me hold the ball. I mean, I, as I recall, I think it, Nebraska closed it to twenty three to seventeen. So okay. it was twenty. It was twenty three to seventeen in the fourth quarter. Well, okay. And CJ Stroud threw two interceptions. Man, nobody's good this year. What's up with this? Yeah, nobody is good. Uh, Cincinnati. Speaking of that, um, expected to blow out Tulsa at home. Uh, really needed some some like last minute shenanigans to beat uh, a three uh, at that point two and three and five Tulsa team. 
Yeah, this was not a good look for Cincinnati at all. I mean, this Tulsa team did play Oklahoma State very close at Boone Pickens. They also uh, they did lose to Ohio State by 21. Um, this is a game that they needed to be like, hey, we belong here, and then win, and they didn't do that at all, which is problematic I will, and not ideal. I believe there was a goal line fumble that kind of handed Cincinnati this win. So, actually, I think Cincinnati was in, like, deep in their own territory trying to ice the game and then fumbled it on, like, a quarterback sneak. Tulsa recovered it, and then they fumbled it again, I think. Awesome. So, it was it was, it was your right amount of college football chaos. Classic, classic playoff team shenanigans. Naturally. Uh, Michigan bouncing back uh, again. They drub Indiana 29-7. to North Carolina by dint of a 24-point fourth quarter come back and hand Wake Forest their first loss of the season. Um, this isn't going to count against Wake Forest's chance to go to Charlotte, though, because this was not technically a conference game, but a loss is a loss is a loss, and uh, Wake Forest is out of luck after uh, Sam Hartman throws for five touchdowns against them. Yep, so the deal is that they are out of each other's divisions, much like Alabama and jo- or Auburn and Georgia in the SEC, but the ACC just chooses not to count them at all in terms of the conference record. Where Al- I mean, the SEC does, but apparently... Well, the SEC schedules the games. This game was scheduled independently by Wake in North Carolina. Really? Yeah. Oh, I did not know that. So you get a cross-divisional opponent, but because the ACC is, what, a 14-team conference, it's once every... Seven years. But Wake and, and North Carolina have a rather long-standing rivalry. I'm yes, guessing. because they're separated by just a few miles. Right. Okay, I did not, I did not know that was the actual reason. Yeah, That's I think they, cool. they, they did the first part of this home-and-home home back in 2019 because I remember talking about this same conundrum on the old extra point. All right, uh, Notre Dame, they take care of business in a storied rivalry against the midshipmen of Navy. Good to have that game back in Notre Dame Stadium after it took a break after the flight for – like over a hundred years continuously, it was played, and they had to take a break last year. But uh, it's back, and Notre Dame is, you know, might even is going to crawl further into the top ten as a bunch of teams lost ahead of them this weekend. Oklahoma State, they do their thing against West Virginia. They went twenty-four to three, and with the loss of Baylor, Baylor loses to TCU twenty-eight to thirty. Looks like Oklahoma State and Oklahoma are the last two standing in the Big 12. Baylor losing to TCU the week after they fi- they essentially fire Gary Patterson is probably not any th- something anybody expected, but that's the Big 12 for you. It's always chaos, and it's going to be this year. I'm looking forward to Bedlam. Big 12 indeed. Bedlam and more when we come back from a quick break. We've got the rest of the college football scoreboard to break down, as well as the rest of your headlines from over the weekend in sports. Plenty of NFL news, and the NBA season continues to roll along. Hockey's in action as well. All the sports are firing on all cylinders as baseball wrapped up last week. So we'll continue talking a little more on Compact Discourse. I'm Jack Carr, joined alongside Alex and Davis. We will be back in about two minutes with some more of the show. So don't go anywhere. Keep it right here on 91.1. This is WEGL-FM Auburn. Welcome back to Compact Discourse right here on 
WEGL 91.1 FM. I'm your host, Jack Hart, joined alongside Alex and Davis, coming at you live from the WEGL Student Center on a lovely Monday morning. It's cold outside. Saw plenty of hats and gloves as I made my ride to the station this morning. So I hope everyone is adjusting to the autumnal weather accordingly as it's starting to cool off here on the plains. Let's head over to your Auburn weather report. We're currently right now in Auburn, Alabama. It is 54 degrees and sunny, high of 73 today. I know if you're out in the sun, it's going to be nice and warm, but if you're in the shade, it will be chilly indeed, a low of 44 for today. So please plan accordingly if you are hot or cold-natured. Morning temp is going to be 63 degrees in the sun. Afternoon temp, 68 degrees in the sun. Looking at clear skies all the way into the night where it's going to cool off to 45 degrees. So it's going to cool off once again. Sun will set at 4.45 p.m. Thank you, Daylight Savings Time. And the wind will be blowing uh, 7 miles per hour to the southwest, uh, 62% humidity and a visibility of 10 miles today. So plenty of clear skies for you to enjoy this first day of... uh, Daylight savings time. First work day, I guess, as we had a day to adjust on Sunday. Are you adjusting well? I mean, you know, I, the spring forward is really the one that always gets me. This one's fall back. I'm doing fine with that. I mean, I'll, I'll take uh, the sun setting sooner because that means the Iron Bowl might have some portion of it at night. So that, as far as I'm concerned, that's worth it. I mean... You can take might out of that sentence unless it kicks off at 11 a.m. True. You never know. Hey, hey if, I mean, you... Stuff could get crazy is all I'm going to say. Mm. You never know what could happen. I think a lot of happen? stuff would have to get crazy. Is the crazy. sun going to explode? Well, I, don't, I don't know. Like, I don't know. Jake Gyllenhaal is going to show up and run from the cold from that Russian spaceship and get chased by wolves at the New York Public Library. Russian spaceship? Day after tomorrow. Come on. Great, it's, great It's film. not a spaceship. It might as well be. It was a... How did it get to New York? Because there was water. Uh-huh. And it, it floated. I'm just saying, why was there penicillin on board? There's a lot of ice, though. How'd it get there? Because it was a it was like one of those ships, uh, specifically from Russia, to break through the ice. It made sense. All right. Look, man. Movie police over here. Hey, I've hey, never seen it. So. As, 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 one of, as my favorite of all of Jake Gyllenhaal's movies, I will defend wow. that movie. That's pretty... That's a <laughs> I'm kidding. Bad. My mom no, and I love that movie, though. I like that you already movie. Said it, it used to come on cable a lot. And I yes. Like, I like cable movies. Very fun movies. That one's about up there. I mean, it's just you got Dennis Quaid and that other guy. You got the part where they run from the cold. Like, yes. And what most intense scene in movie history. I don't know if that's the word you could use, Jack, but I'm certainly, I'll I mean, agree I, with you. I was riveted. They had to get away from that cold. They had to. They had to burn more books. What is this movie about? Uh, it gets really cold. Global warming, Davis. Oh, what it's the, bad. Yeah, what are they burning books for? To create a fire so they don't freeze to death. That's pretty on the nose. Yeah. Let's burn the books of all the things here. Well, yeah, because they have a librarian who's like, we should not burn this. This is a Bible. And then this dude's like, throw it in anyway. And everyone's like, oh, oh. And this guy's like, I found a whole section on tax law. Oh, yeah, he does. Funny funny joke. Funny joke. Funny joke indeed. What a movie. What a great. And uh, day after tomorrow will will not be happening here in Auburn as the low is just a mere 44 degrees. We'll keep it above freezing here on the plains for now but that could change as we move into the later portions of the year all right well that was your wgl war eagle weather update you can listen at the top of the hour on wgl for more weather updates throughout the day but 
We're going to jump right in to the rest of the show, as it was a jam-packed weekend of college football over the weekend. Uh, number 25, Pittsburgh took it to the Blue Devils of Duke. They won 54-29, to bouncing back after a loss to Miami last week. Kenny Pickett continues his campaign for a Heisman run as he goes for 416 yards and three touchdowns. Um, Heisman by default this year, as no one's really having a standout season. He should win the Heisman, but somehow they're going to give it to Bryce Young, despite the fact that Pickett is doing it with a bunch of three- and four-star wide receivers, while mm-hmm. Bryce Young has a five-star across-the-board offense. Obviously not literally all five stars, because that's not what any team really is, but it, sh- it-, it should belong to Pickett. Unfortunately, I just don't think they'll give it to him. San Diego State brings their bag of tricks to the islands as they take down Hawaii 17-10. to by dint of a fake field goal touchdown made the difference in that one. Number 24, San Diego State, has just one loss as they take down conference foe Hawaii. True, and their and they're one loss going to a Fresno State team that also just lost. Fresno Yikes. St- and, in- and, yeah, and San Diego State's big win against Hawaii by seven points was to a four, now 4-6 four and six Hawaii team that is 1-4 in conference. My point is UTSA needs to be ranked. And uh, we'll take a look at that Fresno State team who lost indeed, underline that word loss, as they got housed by Boise State 40-14 to at home. A Boise State team that has not been very good this year. This is not the Boise State program of old. They've had a lot of close, unfortunate losses, including a 10-point loss to Nevada and a 7-point loss to Air Force. They were 4-4 four, four four heading into this game. Now they're 5-4 and four after dominating Fresno State 40-14, to 26-point victory over the Bulldogs, who now fall to 7-3. and three. Fresno State has also lost to Hawaii and Oregon earlier in the year. Yeah, um, rank UTSA. I'm just going to keep saying it. Say Maybe it. it'll happen. The, the church of R.J. Young prevails. Yes, absolutely. All right, we'll talk about Iowa, who is continuing to struggle after that 6-0 start. They did get a win against a Northwestern, but this is a one-conference win Northwestern team, and they barely just won. 17 to 12. Not looking good for the Hawkeyes. Absolutely not. Their season is really falling apart down the stretch. Uh, I mean, they've scored a combined 31 points in the last three games, and on the reverse of that, have, allo- have allowed um, what looks like 63 points in the last three games. Not good. Not good at all. Not good for at the Hawkeyes. All. I love Kirk Ferentz, but man, this is bad. Even by Big Ten standards, not good. And uh, well, I think this won the award for cheapest ticket to a game with a ranked team playing in it last week. That was the number 21 Wisconsin Badgers traveling over to Piscataway, New Jersey to take on the Scarlet Knights of Rutgers, who also have just one win in the Big Ten. And they did not get another win this weekend as the Badgers ran all over them, 52-3. Graham Mertz goes 11 for 16 and three touchdowns. He was averaging a touchdown once every three passes. Rutgers started the year 3-0. and Since then, they've lost five of their last six including a absolutely de- decimation by I mean by Wisconsin. Yeah, it's just really I mean it takes skill to to let a Wisconsin team score 50. It really does. They are uh, I mean when your quarterback only throws a, throws 16 times and gets three touchdowns out of it. Not to mention he had an interception as well, but they were also able to run the ball for a whopping 305 yards. Meanwhile, poor Rutgers, they scored uh yeah, 45 of those points in the second and third quarters alone. Wow. Mm-hmm. That's and that's bad. We'll serve up a Big Ten special courtesy of the Golden Gophers of Minnesota. They are held scoreless for three quarters and get trounced by Illinois 14-6. to 
Illinois gets their first ranked win against a college football playoff ranked opponent, I think, ever. No, they beat Penn State earlier this year, though. They weren't officially ranked by the playoff. Yeah, this is the first time they've beat a college football playoff ranked opponent. Okay, I see. So, like, a November win against a ranked opponent. Okay, I see. I see. I misunderstood. That's my bad. Yeah. But, you know, party time for Lovey Smith and the Illini. Lovey Smith is no longer there. It's actually Brett (laughs) Bielema. Whoops. That's I do right. remember that because he, yeah. Very smooth transition, though, from Wisconsin to Bielema. Not to mention Illinois might be the most vintage Brett Bielema team in history. I say that because they are the most inconsistent team on the planet. I'm just going to go down the list of their schedule. Ooh, big 30-22 to um, victory over Nebraska. Then lose 37-30 to to UTSA. Oh, 42 to 42-14 loss to Virginia. 20-17 to loss to Maryland. 13-9 to loss to Purdue. They beat Charlotte 24-14. Nice. 24 to nothing against Wisconsin. They beat Penn State in nine overtimes. If you want to call it that. True. Lose to Rutgers last week and then beat Minnesota. I I don't understand. Not to mention, they're going to have Iowa and Northwestern to close out the season. Illinois could still have a bowl, bowl, Illinois eligible. Could be bowl eligible. They certainly could. I mean, honestly, I'm, I think they can beat Northwestern because the Northwestern team's all over the place. And Iowa, it's, in, it's at Kinnick Stadium, but I was bad. I think Illinois is a perfect pick for the Duke's Mayo Bowl. Absolutely. Absolutely. Book it. Chaos reigns. Definitely. NC State, they uh, double up on Florida State 28-14 as NC State has dominated this rivalry over uh, over the recent years. And Florida State continues to play poorly. The most exciting part of this game is that somebody's going to have to win the Florida State-Florida game, and it might just be the Seminoles. I, If it was not at Gainesville, I'd pick the Seminoles by a million, but unfortunately they've got a tough stretch of uh, doing Florida at on the road, Boston College at the road. They've got Miami at home, though, but I certainly believe they can do it because, man, Florida does not want to win football games. They're really trying their hardest not to do so. We'll get to that and some more unranked games of note after this next break but we'll close out by talking about the Tennessee and Kentucky game uh potentially a game of the year candidate as so far as I could tell considering how how bizarre and high scoring and back and forth this one was Um, before we talk about it I do want to do want to provide a quick stat on this one this is courtesy of uh college football on reddit uh they have a great twitter account where they kind of post the best of the best on twitter um this one comes courtesy of them Kentucky had 42 points, 612 yards, 35 first downs, ran 99 plays, held the ball for over 46 minutes, and were still not able to win this game. This Good is the Lord. third time ever where a team has recorded more than 45 minutes of possession. The other two t- teams won their game 58-7 to and 40-7, to and Kentucky lost 45-42. Yeah, that's bad. That is... Uh... I, I mean, Chris was telling me Tennessee had the most efficient 17 seconds ever of passing offense. That's where, what I heard. Where they got four, uh, like two touchdowns in less than a minute. That that's what I'd heard. I did not watch the game myself, but that's what I'd heard uh, after the fact. A really insane game, and that's just life in the SEC East. And now, of course, the Volunteers with Georgia, South Alabama, and Vanderbilt looking like they could finish out the season at a cool seven and five. So good I for mean, them. After all that program's been through. That's a miracle. Certainly, certainly. I mean, again, you know, they're a crazy old miss game away from being eight and four. Not to mention a bad loss to Pitt earlier in the season. You know, this you've got Josh Heupel who's really turned this program around in one season. Of course, we've seen Butch Jones do that as well. So you gotta wait to see if it actually persists for uh a substantial amount of time. We'll see though later on. 
All right, we're going to head to a quick break, and when we come back, it's all about the SEC. We're talking Ole Miss versus Liberty. Lane Kiffin not happy with that performance. We're going to talk Mississippi State and Arkansas as Arkansas gets a win at home. And, of course, we got to talk about LSU and Alabama as uh, LSU is just one catch away from defeating the Crimson Tide this weekend. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Compact Discourse right here on WEGL 91.1 FM. We're talking college football on this Monday morning. It's a Monday morning quarterback special of Compact Discourse. If you got something to say, if you want to weigh in on what anything we've talked about so far in the show, or you've got something to say about how Auburn performed in Texas, what Bama did over in Bryant-Denny, or anything in between, including Florida in trouble down in the swamp, as well as Arkansas coming away from Fayetteville with a victory over Mississippi State. Plenty of action in the SEC this weekend. If you got something to say about any of it, we'd love to hear from you. Tweet at us at CDISCAU. We'd love to get your take on the situation. That is at CDISCAU. Or you can call in at 334-844-9345, and Davis will answer your call. And uh, that's that. So we're going to jump right back into things. Before we head to the SEC, two notable out-of-conference games uh, were Oregon, and Washington. This is a rivalry game up in Seattle. I put Oregon on upset watch, and I was not correct. That's okay. I mean, it was a pretty close game, but Oregon was the better team in this one, and they did come out with a 10-point win after, I think, the real nail in the coffin was Washington botching a punt that turned into a safety at the yep. end of the game. So That was essentially that's what that. closed the game. So Sorry, Washington. I believed in you. I didn't. I think it was the purple pants. Bad look. Must have been. All right. Uh, then another one is, of course, we got to have a new college football playoff heading into this weekend because Michigan State loses to the spoiler makers, twenty-nine to forty. Purdue blows out the Sparty, and uh, that's that, that's probably it for State unless they can rally the troops and make a campaign to Indianapolis. So yeah, really, right now, what's going on, in Michigan State is they've got a they've got. Upcoming on their schedule, they've got Maryland, Ohio State, and their season finale against Penn State. If they can win out those games, I believe they would then earn a spot in the Big Ten Championship game, which presumably they would take on either Wisconsin, Minnesota, Purdue, or Iowa, who are all tied for first in that that division. Um, Which, if they can beat Ohio State, they certainly do have a chance. Again, you know, and right now with – with a team like Purdue, if they played them again, Purdue has an Ohio State team ahead of them. Purdue has Northwestern Indiana. If Purdue can win out, you know, then you've got a high-ranked team you're playing in the championship game. I don't know what will happen, but the playoff hopes seem kind of torpedoed right now because you lose to a Purdue team that lost to Wisconsin badly. And by badly, I mean 30-13. to 13. Everybody's saying rank Purdue. They're forgetting that they've lost to Minnesota and Wisconsin and to Notre Dame. So, then again, not terrible losses, but still... A Wisconsin loss by by 17 and a Minnesota loss, which only by seven. But certainly, I think Michigan State, right now, their main hopes are on getting the Big Ten Championship game, not even on the playoffs right now. All right, we'll jump on over to the SEC. 
where it was an exciting weekend of college football. The three games we have not talked about are Liberty and Ole Miss, where Ole Miss is up 24-0 at half, but Lane Kiffin's still not uh, happy with that performance, as he made pretty clear on his Twitter account following the game. Ole Miss is going to have a big game against Texas A&M this weekend at home, a place that I think A&M has historically struggled. I'll double-check that. While hey, Alex, what, in Vaught Hemingway? Yeah, while Alex breaks down the Lane Kiffin situation. Uh, so, really right now, the question is starting to become, how much is Lane Kiffin, you know, uh, I guess hampering is not the right word, but hurting Ole Miss's chances with, I think, his own coaching decisions is what cost him the game against Auburn. And even more so, the fact of the matter is that they really have to beat Texas A&M in order to have their own chance at the at the SC Championship game, which I do not believe they're really in it anymore because they've lost uh, twice to two teams that are ahead of them in Auburn and, and Alabama. But really, you know, it's it's hoping that this team, despite the fact they have so many injuries in the wide receiving core and on offense, can find a way forward with Matt Corral, and I think they can against A&M. Did you find anything on the I sh- did. Um, Ole Miss has one win over Texas A&M ever, which is not true. It's just the only one that isn't vacated. Um, ah. And uh, <laughs> um, they have they had a three-game winning streak from 2014 to 2016 against the Aggies, um, but I think all, all but one of those wins has been vacated. So currently A&M is on a three-game winning streak against the running Rebels. So This, this is why you just don't Hugh Freeze. We shall see. We shall see. We certainly yeah. will. It's um, uh, that that zero and zero record really does not it's not a good look on uh on the Rebs. Yeah, especially I'm looking at the Winspedia graphic and it really looks bad when you've got a zero and eight Houston nut, zero and ten Houston nut, and then a zero and six Hugh Freeze, followed by one and five, one and four. Oh, oh and seven again. Yeah, not not good for them at all. I guess you only vacate the win. You have to keep the losses. That's actually exactly what happens, which is one Yikes. of the strangest things. All right, uh, over in Fayetteville, Arkansas, it was the Mississippi State and hashtag college kickers back at it again as I believe Mississippi State misses four field goals, including one as time expires, to uh, not beat Arkansas as they come away with a three-point victory, 31-28. Will Rogers does have a day, though. He goes 36-48, 417 yards, and four touchdowns on the evening. I fully believe that neither of these teams are that good, but the idea that Arkansas would be ranked below Michigan or Miss, Mississippi State, excuse me, and by below I mean out of the ranks while Mississippi State sits at a cool 17 was ridiculous, and they proved it again this Saturday because Arkansas is the better team with the better losses for that matter. So I think two great quarterbacks went at it, and it was a pretty good game as a result. And you know, Arkansas has a few kicks going the other way from losing this game, and I think these teams are fairly evenly matched up, and I think that spells well for Auburn, who pretty handedly beat Arkansas, having to play Mississippi State this weekend. Yeah. I think, you know, there's a lot of chaos going on in the SEC down the stretch. It's going to be a fun last few weeks. All right. uh, We'll head over to Brian Denny Stadium, where the LSU Tigers, the Bayou Bengals, came to town not expecting much. Line was 28.5 in favor of the Tide. But number three, Alabama, or number two, depending on who you ask, uh, was given all they could handle by uh, Max Johnson and the Bayou Bengals. He throws for 160 yards and two touchdowns, nearly three as time expired. And LSU only loses by six to the Crimson Tide, who only muster 20 points on the game. I think that's a season low. It has to be, right? Yeah, it is. It is. 20 points. Wow. Including 
I think two missed field goals, one missed extra point for the Tide. Uh, yes, I believe it was. Uh, definitely did not have this one on my bingo card, especially LSU taking an early lead. This was a crazy game and very much not when a LSU good took sign the lead. I was Alabama. expecting this is going to be a lot like the Tennessee game, where it's like fifty-four, forty-eight, you know. But as, as time ticked away and Van wasn't scoring, it was unbelievable, including a scoreless fourth quarter for that matter, yeah. where they couldn't even pull away, and LSU was still within it throughout the entire game. Just not what I expected at all. LSU owned the time of possession. LSU 5 of 18 on third down. Alabama 4 of 13 on third downs. But the difference maker is LSU's 5 for 7 on fourth downs. They went for it seven times and got at least five, so good for them. I mean, there Also, was, Alabama had six rushing yards. There was a fourth and two maybe late in the fourth quarter where uh, that led to the um, – where LSU busted that all the way down to the five-yard line. The running back got free yeah. after a great block and uh, went forward on fourth down, did not come away with a score on that one. So missed opportunities for the LSU, but they're playing against a very good Alabama defense, so you can't really blame them for that, and you have to go for the – I mean, you can't you can't settle for a field goal there. Especially not. And, again, Alabama averaging .2 yards a carry throughout the game, not good at all. And also penalties were the difference makers. Well, Alabama has nine for 64 yards versus LSU six for 37 just not a good performance Nick Saban wants to heading down the stretch because right now people don't think they can beat Georgia, and they need to be showing that they can. They, right now it's showing they can barely beat LSU. Nick Saban did not look like a – he looked pretty flustered. A la, I would say so. A la A&M uh, in this one. So hopefully they can sort things out in their uh, next games against New Mexico State. And I want to say – I don't even know who else they're playing. Do you know who they're playing? Who's Alabama playing next? Talking about Alabama? Yeah, they, uh, they have a game against New Mexico State and Auburn, but I don't know who they have uh, this weekend. Th- this uh, this weekend they have New Mexico State. Then they've got an, a game against Arkansas followed by Auburn. Bizarre. New SEC schedules. Not not sure how I feel about these. What do you mean? The just the not everyone having their cupcake game week, right week before right before the rivalry. Week. It makes yeah. I mean it, it's fine. I just, it's hard harder to keep track of. Uh, yeah, that's fair. That's fair. It's always set kind of a safe bet of they Auburn would be Georgia, Cupcake, yeah. Alabama. Now it's and then whatever. Auburn would play Georgia, Alabama play Mississippi State on the same weekend. Yeah, it's it's weird. All right, final SEC game to talk about. I know you got you got something to say about this one, which is why we're going to cut you off, Alex. Uh, South Carolina at home, Williams Bryce Stadium overpowers the Florida Gators. They outscore them forty to seventeen, including a thirty to ten first half. Florida is issued their third straight loss, uh, as was Texas this weekend, but that's a whole different kettle of fish. That's absolutely correct. But South Carolina prevails, and they are now 2-4 and four in the SEC. Yeah, this was hilarious, to be honest. I mean, Florida is so bad, and now they have a worse record in the SEC and a worse record overall than the Shane Beamer-led South Carolina Gamecocks, who very likely will be bowl-eligible. They've got a game against Missouri next week. And, well, spoiler alert, Missouri is about as bad as anybody in the SEC. It's just insane how far Florida has fallen and how quickly it has happened. It wasn't It wasn't gradual. They were in the SEC championship game last year. And, I mean, this game, you know, only 26 rushing attempts for 82 yards. You got Emory Jones throwing it 30 times. Anytime you have a quarterback like Emory Jones throwing it 30 times, you might as well just – call it a day, but more importantly, allowing South Carolina to get 284 yards on the ground. Marshawn Lattimore's not in that backfield, by the way, and it still happened, is insane. 
two 100-yard rushers for South Carolina, making quarterback Jason Brown's day very easy, a 14 for 24, 175 yards and two touchdowns. Just a complete embarrassment from the Florida Gators. Three straight losses, including one to LSU. Mind you, they have lost five of their last seven, and one of those is a win over Vanderbilt. So you might as well say they lost five of their last six and not count the Vanderbilt game because you don't really, you really shouldn't. Lost to Alabama, losses to um, Kentucky, LSU, bad loss to Georgia, and then South Carolina. Just a dud. Not a great season for the Gators after looking so promising in that uh, uh, their, their best win is probably their loss to Alabama is what I have to say about that. I would say so, honestly. I mean, or, you know, a Tennessee team that might be good, maybe. I don't know, because they're, they're kind of sneakingly decent. Also, I must issue a correction. It was Marcus Lattimore who uh, was the running back, not Marshawn Lattimore. I got those mixed up. That's my bad. It's all but good. Florida's bad. Gator's and a gator. Dan Mullen uh, fired his defensive coordinator about a year too late and fired his running game coordinator, but I'm not really sure why. Surely so. this will rectify the situation. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely not, because, I mean, again – Will they make a bowl game? I'm looking down the down the street. Okay, they got Sanford, Missouri, and Florida State. They will make a bowl game, but it'll be the Birmingham win, Bowl. Have to win two of those. Ah, uh, yes, two two out of the next three. Man, all right. Well, the Sunshine Showdown will be entertaining to say the least. Absolutely so, excited for that on Rivalry Weekend, as well as everything else going on. Plenty to get to on the rest of the show. We're going to take a five-minute break as it is the top of the hour, 9 a.m. Thank you for listening to Cafe Discord, spending your Monday hanging out with me, Alex, and Davis here on WEGL 91.1 FM. We've got NFL to talk about, including some, some big surprises and big disappointments from the NFL Sunday. We'll talk to Buffalo Bills. We'll talk to Dallas Cowboys and a couple of other struggling teams, as well as Monday Night Football coming up tonight. Will the Bears take down the Steelers? All that and more coming up after a break. Welcome back to Compact Discourse right here on WEGL 91.1 FM. I'm your host, Jack Hart, joined alongside Alex and Davis. Thank you to everyone just now tuning in as it is 9.08 a.m. Welcome to the top of the hour here on Auburn's only student-run radio morning drive-time show. How many qualifiers can we throw on this thing? Uh, We're going to jump right back into the discussion. We're going to use this short segment to talk about some weird stuff that happened in the NFL yesterday, and then we shall move on to some other events that happened this weekend, including um, what happened in Houston while I was there. Unrelated, I didn't have anything to do with it, but... I, I did happen to be in Houston at the same time. Gotta gotta as, make sure as, as make the sure the the listeners don't su- don't, don't, uh, don't suspect you I mean, as you, the you culprit. Can, you can connect, the guy with the needle. You can connect a few oh, dots. Oh my lord! And uh, yeah, I might have been on a movie set in New Mexico earlier this month as well. What the? Um. Uh, whoa! <laughs> uh, all right. Uh, Josh Allen intercepts Josh Allen and sacks in, Josh Allen and sacks Josh Allen in Saxonville yesterday in a weird game as. The Buffalo Bills lose to the Jacksonville Jaguars uh, six to nine. Nice. Um, so it was the class of the ACC, presumably heading down to Jacksonville and laying a big old egg as Josh Allen throws almost fifty passes and has two interceptions to show for it and no touchdowns. Yeah, it it was a really bad performance from the Bills. This weekend was essentially the weekend of wait, how did that happen? Just over and over and over again. I mean, it was 
it was really insane to watch because a lot of people expect. I mean, the Bills have been one of the better teams in the league, and they completely laid an egg this uh, this weekend. Yes, many many eggs in the hen house this weekend as the Bengals, who were you know looking to be real playmakers in the AFC, lose to the Jets last week and then get you know housed by the Browns at home this week as well. They lose forty one to sixteen. Joe Burrow, two interceptions in that one. Another head-scratcher, the Broncos all over the Cowboys, 30-16. to Broncos are 5-4 and four now, if you could believe that. The New Orleans Saints fall to the Falcons, 27-25, to and they score 22 of their 25 points in the fourth quarter. The Giants somehow get a win over the Las Vegas Raiders, 23-16. to And uh, what are some other weird ones? Oh, the Green Bay Packers only manage seven points as Jordan Love. Yes, Jordan Love, 19-34, one touchdown, and that was all she wrote for the Cheeseheads as it was a fourth-quarter touchdown as the Chiefs win that one just 13-7. to I mean, you think Packers and Chiefs, you're expecting points in the 30s. but Chiefs offense has been laying eggs all season. Packers defense came to play last night, but unfortunately due to uh, decisions by, made by Aaron Rodgers, he was not there to play, and instead Jordan Love... Really, this was a could have been a concerning game for Roger, but thankfully, Love completely, you know, put out of a dud, a dud of a performance. Nineteen of thirty-four, one touchdown, one interception. You don't expect him to, you know, beat the Chiefs, but you expect him to look a little better than that. And right now, it seems clear the Packers do not want to move on from Rogers just this minute. And yeah, speaking of head scratchers, uh, potential MVP candidate Matthew Stafford comes into yesterday's game and really dashes those hopes as he throws two straight interceptions out of his own end zone to hand the Titans 14 points. Uh, those 14 points they never look back from as they win that game. 28-16. to 16. And I think now that the Bills lost to the Jags, I think the Titans are looking like probably the favorite in the AFC, maybe right up there with the Ravens. Although the Ravens have a pretty devastating loss that the Titans do not have. So I'd probably put them at the top of the AFC at at, at present. Um, I, I would I would as well. Really, you know, nobody really can tell. It's it's really insane to see just how chaotic the NFL has been all season. I mean, last week Washington lose to the Broncos. I'm thinking, all right, Washington's really bad, and then the Broncos are up 27 to nothing over the Cowboys this uh this weekend. But right now, I think I think the clear cut ones are the Titans. I think. They're the most consistent team, and consistent is sort of relative because they did lose to the Jets and got obliterated by the Cardinals, but right now it's really anybody's race, and including a Raiders team that is going to try and find a way forward after everything that's happened to them. Mm -hmm. I think even after the Cardinals faltered in that crazy game against the Packers, they bounced right back and were able to handily beat the 49ers. They're now 8-1, boasting the best record in the league, and I think? Other than the Packers, they're the only they're the only seven win team. So yes, they are. They almost, they almost have a two game lead on the rest of the league. It, uh, well, they're the only seven win team in the NFC. The Titans oh, has the also Titans. got to seven wins. And again, you know, you look at the Cardinals; they only allow 155 points this year. Though that's the lowest total in the NFC, and what looks like the lowest total in all of not all of the NFL. The uh, Bills and Steelers are the only teams better than that. And then in terms of scoring points, they scored 277. Yeah, looks like that's also the most in the NFC as well. Just dominance on both sides of the ball. Cliff Kingsbury really shocking the world right now and because the, yeah, the Cardinals doing it all without Kyler Murray, who was out in this one. Uh, it was it was uh, and DeAndre Hopkins. It was Connor, the running back, who put on a show. He went 96 yards for two touchdowns. And Colt McCoy 
22 of 26, 249 yards, and a touchdown. Colt McCoy from Texas, uh, who's 35 years old right now. Your last memory of him might be him getting carted off the field in the 2009 National Championship game. Unfortunately, I have, I have some bad Washington football team memories with Colt McCoy, but that is that is certainly as, as good a memory for, for many of the listeners uh, for that. And, yeah, they really turning things around in such a short time. He, Cliff Kingsbury could not win in college, and it has he has more wins in this one season than I think he ever had at Texas Tech. And we're only nine games in. Wow. Crazy stat. Let me actually check that. Eight, eight wins? Uh, yes. I believe the most wins he ever got at Texas Tech was – Seven. No, no, he got eight in his first year. Okay, so he's one away from surpassing his total. All right. Interesting. All right, well, that is going to do it for NFL Chat. It was a weird weekend. There's a lot to get to, but I don't think anything worth talking about. Panthers lost to the Packers, or, or the Patriots, rather. Um, Washington I, lost to the bye week. So. Yeah, I, I was going to say the, the Lions did not lose this week for the first week all year, um, so they'll be back at it next week looking to lose again. But that's going to have to do it for NFL chat. Um, it is Spirit Week over at the College of Engineering, if you are uh, lucky enough to be an engineering student like myself. Uh, today, from 11 to 1 p.m., you can head on over to the Brown Copal uh, Gavin Garden and get some uh, free hamburgers and hot dogs, courtesy mm. of the College of Engineering. Oh, so check if you're in the College of Engineering. Uh, you can borrow my hat, Davis. Heck yeah. Um, we've also got plenty of festivities coming up the entire week for Spirit Week over at the College of Engineering. You got the Breakfast Bash tomorrow at 8 a.m. Worry Free Wednesday kicks off at 11. Thursday, you got Start Off Strong with a 100 Women Strong organization. That is Veterans Day, Thursday the 11th at 7.30 a.m. And then you got the Sip and Sign on Signing Day. Si- signing. Is that, is that a good auditory joke? I don't know. It's a like sign engineering. What? Like the ENG. It's like signing, but it ends in an ENG. I think we just go to commercial. I'm just saying. I think it's pretty funny, but it doesn't really work over audio. <laughs> Can't say it does. All right. Well, uh, Spirit Week is going strong over at Brown Copal. If you would like to uh, be privy to those festivities, just head on over to the Gavin Garden in the College of Engineering. And with that, we will head to a quick break. And when we come back, lots of things transpired over the weekend, including... More developments in the Alec Baldwin situation, the Astro World debacle, and Seinfeld hits Twitter to uh, face a new generation of people. So, I don't even know. What's the world come to at this point? Nobody's sure at this point. It's chaos in the streets. Chaos reigns. And with that, we will be back in about two minutes with some more chaos here on Compact Discourse. 91.5 91.1 WEGL-FM, Auburn University. Welcome back to Compact Discourse right here on WEGL 91.1 FM. I'm your host, Jack Hart, joined alongside Alex and Davis. Hope you're staying warm on this Monday morning, it's 58 degrees and mostly sunny here in Auburn, Alabama. So thank you for choosing to spend your Monday morning with us here on this extreme eastern edge of the central time zone. We are feeling the full effects of the daylight savings time change as the uh, sun rose at before 6 a.m. and will set before 5 p.m. for the first time this year. So excited about that is a word for it. Uh, anyway, we'll jump right back into the show. We're talking about Astro World. 
and uh, the run-on effects therein as the story continues to break from what happened over in Houston over the weekend. All right, I'm going to ask. I thought Astroworld was a tour. No, so it's it's based on the old amusement park that used to sit across from the Astrodome that I believe Travis Scott went to when he was a kid, which was the inspiration for him naming the album, right? Okay. And then makes the festival to sort of revive that area. But it was a tour, and now it's like a permanent festival in Houston? Yeah. Yes. Okay. Understood. There you go. So that, that was this weekend. It was November 5th through November 6th over at NRG Park, which is right next to the Astrodome. It's where the uh, Houston Texans currently play. And apparently, what I'm hearing, that not everything went to plan. That's one way to put it. Um, Drake was there. He was. Is that right, Davis? He was. He came out. He came out. He played uh, Knife Talk. And then that was shortly before. That was during the time where a lot of the videos of people freaking out about what was happening on the ground in the pit was happening. All right, and I guess at this point I should mention what did happen. This is coming from CBS News. At least three lawsuits have been filed on behalf of people who say they were injured at the Houston Music Festival where at least eight people were killed. The defendants include rappers Travis Scott and Drake and venue entertainment company Live Nation. Two of the suits are seeking $1 million in damages. A crowd surge occurred during Travis Scott's performance on Friday night when concert goers started to compress towards the stage is what Houston Fire Chief Samuel Pena said early Saturday morning. It caused some panic and started causing injuries. At least eight people, including two teenagers, were killed and dozens were hospitalized as a result of this sudden surge of people towards the front of the stage. Yeah, it, I mean, it, the events like things like this cannot happen at... And again, the question the begs the question of, you know, what do you do to stop unruly crowds? But there are ways to stop it because if there weren't, it would happen all the time. And the fact is, I mean, this is the worst... As far as I could tell, and I didn't do super extensive research, the worst music festival disaster since Woodstock 99, which was like, you know, the one that got multiple documentaries about it and was, you know, insanity. Woodstock 99 only had two deaths. Exactly, exactly. And, I mean, it's just, stuff like this cannot happen. And um, I think it's, like, it's just, uh, I mean, it's a very tragic event and certainly not something... Just that you want to see happen at any time, especially at this festival. And it's something that I know a lot of people put a lot of work in to make it happen and to sort of revive that part of the area in Houston. Because, again, not a lot of things have been happening in Houston with the Astrodome falling apart and Astroworld itself, the original park, going down. Just a really horrific event, and a lot of lawsuits will be coming. You said three have already been filed. Well, there were, what, 300 injuries, eight deaths? A lot of lawsuits will be happening, and I've... Do not imagine Astroworld will happen next year. Yes. A civil or the suit, year after. A civil suit filed by the plaintiff against Scott and Drake blames them for negligently inciting a riot and violence. The suit, one of those seeking a million dollars in damages, also claims Live Nation failed to provide adequate security and medical services at the festival. The suit alleges that Scott, who founded the festival in 2018, quote, had incited mayhem and chaos at previous events, said the other defendants did not take steps to prevent that behavior and did not preside any examples of such conduct. Hmm. Yeah, it's a mess is the best word I can describe it. And it it looks even worse when the show is not stopped during it despite multiple videos where you can hear people screaming about what's happening. And I'm not going to com- – again, I don't know all that took place. I don't know what it's like to be on a stage in front of thousands of people performing a – 
bunch of songs. So I can't speak on whether or not Travis Scott should have heard everything that was happening and shut down the show. I think it would have been in his best interest to do so, but I am very curious as to why there wasn't any stoppage. You I know? don't think he heard the fans, but he was told by uh, police and stuff that there were people like passing out and like getting trampled and stuff like 40 minutes before they actually ended it. Oh. So he was aware, but I doubt he heard the there was videos of the people like trying to climb up on stage and yell at him, but I doubt he was able to hear those. But even if even if he hears from the police, that that does beg the question of why you don't stop it. And I, I, I'm not sure if a notes app apology 12 hours after the fact is really going to be the, be the solution to, to that problem. There's I also mean, the video of him talking. Yeah, what well, so what I, I didn't see that video. It, you it you was, seem more familiar than I would. He really just, he was just like, he was touching his head. He was going like, hey guys. It, I, it didn't, I don't know. It's hard to explain. You just have to see it. it it's not like the most heartfelt apology. He seemed like he didn't really want to do it, but I'm sure he does feel bad. I doubt he... I, I really oh, yeah. don't see why he doesn't. No, I mean, I, I'm, I'm certainly not doubting that at all. But there, there's, there, there's certainly, there's no doubt that somebody can feel guilt, but doesn't make their actions, you know, doesn't mean that they're mistake free per se, right? Like he certainly can feel guilty, and honestly, I'm not sure. I'm not gonna say he should, because that's not my place to say, right? But I think it totally makes uh, sense, and I would just say that. It's going to be a very interesting next few months in terms of the aftermath. I yeah. think we're very how, likely. How is this, this going to change live performances? You think? Exactly. There's 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 already been talk. You know, there's already been talks about events like this and how they change things. And I think it certainly will. I think in terms of, I don't think you'll ever see events like this so understaffed because I think you've seen what can happen. Because I know Davis, as you you said during the break, we were talking about it that more security guards wouldn't have wouldn't have changed the. Uh, the trampling that the audience or that the audience did over the barricades and into the event, people just jumping in without tickets and breaking in. Maybe that's a fair point, but security guards do function as somewhat of a deterrent from said unruly behavior. And I know that this was more than understaffed. It's not like normal festivals need more staff. They just didn't have enough for the standard to begin with. And I think that was part of the problem. So we'll certainly see stuff like that. And again, you know, how does this affect his career moving forward and going on tour? I think Astroworld again is done. I don't imagine they'll do it again. Because they haven't done Woodstock since '99, so there's a reason for that. Yeah, um, this is the kind of thing that can wreck, wreck a whole, wreck a whole tour. Exactly. It's like with festival. the Alec Baldwin thing; they're not going to go back to making that movie. You're probably not going to go back to Astro World. Just reality, I would say. Because how do you, how do you say, all right, guys, totally forget about what bad thing happened, come back? I just don't see. I don't see how that works. Just nope. from a fundamental selling perspective. The stuff here: the cops came to him at 9:30, and the show ended at 10:10. Uh, and we have a quote here from, uh, I think someone from the police department. You cannot close it down when you have over fifty thousand individuals. Uh, we have to worry about riots when you have young a group that that that's that young. It was a cooperation discussion between promoters, my fire department, and the police department and NRG officials. I think that part was pretty good. That's what he said. Which I understand. Uh, a lot of people at the crowd didn't really know about the people, uh, dying and being injured. They were just there for the show. There obviously there was a lot of people that did notice it, and there were were. Uh, but I kind of understand that there's so many young people there. If they just stopped the show mid midway through it, I'm sure there would have been a lot more trouble. Would have been more trouble. And at some point, you know, it's a lot of young people there. Young people do dumb things. As a young person, I can attest. So it, it's hard to control them, especially when there's fifty thousand of them gathered in a parking lot. You know, 
I th- okay, look, I not, get that. I total, I totally get that argument. But the fact is, this doesn't happen every day, so it is not that difficult. Well, uh, maybe, maybe that, may, maybe the least, that. The least Travis could have done is told them to not go so crazy with the moshing. Yeah, maybe, maybe I'm being a bit unsympathetic. Is it would be the word, but if it was so difficult to control fifty thousand people and so impossible, then music festivals wouldn't be a thing. But they are, and they have been. Simple negligence from the people that hosted this and created this is where the fault lies, not in just ah. Fans are so crazy. What are they supposed to do? Well, there's there's procedure in place because every festival doesn't end in eight people dead and three hundred people with various injuries and lawsuits. If it did, not we wouldn't have festi- music festivals. Not every festival's like not every festival's people moshing like this. Yeah. That's true, but like then the- don't. I I think there's ways to avoid that. I don't think this is gonna happen. I don't. At the uh, Beach I don't think Boys you can avoid it. This is that is what Travis's music is. You mosh to it. That's well, like what it's meant to do. I, and even if he told them not to, they're still gonna do it. They're I don't not. Know. They don't. What is he going to do, come down there and scold each one of them individually? I mean, I think... They're going to form a pit. They're going to start moshing, whatever think, he says. I think if the if the person on stage that everybody paid tickets to see tells them to stop doing something, it carries some amount of weight. They're not to going it. to see Beck at Woodstock. They're seeing Travis Scott at Astro World. I know they're that. They're going to mosh. I know that. But I think Travis should have done a lot more to try to mitigate that. Come on. Again, that that's where I just I just think there, there could have been a bit more done to... Avoid this, and unfortunately, it wasn't. And now we're dealing with this very tragic event where eight people have died. Well, for everyone's sake, I hope they figure it out and are able to execute much better in the future. If there is a future for Astro World, Travis Scott, and how music festivals, after taking like a year or two off from uh, existing, are already having some growing pains as people flood back into the barricades. So we'll continue our discussion and a whole lot more here on Compact Discourse. We'll be back in about two minutes with some more of the show we're going to talk seinfeld and a whole lot more on the rest of the show i'm hanging out with alex and davis i'm your host jack hart we'll be back in about two minutes with the rest of the show you're listening to compact discourse on wegl 91.1 fm auburn Welcome back to Compact Discourse, right here on WEGL at 91.1. I'm Jack Carr, joined alongside Davis and Alex. This is, of course, the podcast about nothing here on the Big 91 Superstation. Ah. Is that pretty funny, Alex? Yes, that was, that, one? that was hilarious. Hilarious. We go into WEGL, we tell them we got a show about nothing, and uh, here we are. So uh, today, we're going to be talking about Seinfeld as... You may have not noticed this, but Seinfeld, uh, after years of being stuck on Hulu, mm. Davis's favorite streaming service, uh, it's now on Netflix, absolutely ad-free. You can listen to Compact Discourse absolutely ad-free on our podcast if you feel so inclined to search for Compact Discourse on your podcast player of choice. But we'll be talking about, I think a lot of people are watching Seinfeld for the first time uh, now that it is on the what are they? What do they call Netflix these days? The Netflix, flicks, the, the net. I think it's just Netflix. Netflix, um, the the red one. Is that right? Yeah. Yes. All right. Uh, so Seinfeld's on Netflix. People have been watching it. A couple first timers, including I think Davis. Mm. You're watching it for the first time. Love it. So good. First so, time. It's an all right. all-time classic. My mom is. My mom watches it whenever she's doing laundry. Already in season six. Wow. Really, really making haste. Mm-hmm. So um, I, I'm a big Seinfeld fan. I watch Seinfeld a lot. It was on TBS when I'd come home from school. 
in high school, so I'd just throw it on, hang out in the kitchen, watch some Seinfeld. It's a good way to spend your afternoon. Boom. So, um, of course, I was not around for Seinfeld mania in the 90s. I was not in that iconic picture of Times Square where they're watching the finale where who had a heart attack, Davis, and was able to get to Frank the hospital. Frank Sinatra. Frank Sinatra was able to get to the hospital very quick because everyone was watching Seinfeld. But I think, uh, as with all things, people being introduced to a new piece of media has caused uh, strife and discourse on the Internet, as uh, as all things will, including something as, uh, I will say, I don't know, not PC as Seinfeld. I mean, it, it's pretty tame by today's standards, but back in the day it was pushing the limits here and there, especially for network television. So, um, so people are, are, are reacting in kind. Is that correct, Davis? I have the tweet right here, of A course. tweet, you say? Yes. Hit, it, hit me with it. From a guy named Keith Buckley on Twitter. Keith Buckley. Keith Buckley. <clears throat> Quote, did Seinfeld the show, in parentheses, not the human, completely eradicate empathy from cultural consciousness, or did it just show people that they had an unhealthy amount of things in common with people who had no empathy, question mark, or neither, question mark? I just started from season one, episode one, and I already feel surly. Surly? Surly. That meaning bad-tempered and unfriendly. Man. I'm not... The show put him in a bad mood. The the tweet is followed up by a secondary tweet saying, okay, so it's safe to say (laughs) empaths had slash have a hard time watching the television show Seinfeld? Question mark. That was all I was after. Thanks. Good talk. I think that was after No period after good talk. Remember that. What does no period mean? No period. No period. Uh, I was like, a, and so I, for I for for those who are very curious, yeah. as this is probably not the definition of everyone, an empath is someone who feels more empathy than the average person. These people are usually more accurate in recognizing emotions by looking at another person's face. That's the mm-hmm. definition I found on medicalnewstoday.com. So there you go. Yeah. I just want to give the whole context. <laughs> as we know, life is very hard go, when you're an empath. It's, it's hard <laughs> when you're an empath. It's, hey, uh, always felt bad for Yuri and Space Buddies because he lost his teddy bears. I mean, me an empath. <laughs> I think yes, of all things, that I, does make you an empath. I just think this is very funny because this is this this reeks of the of the people coming around and suddenly discovering that Tropic Thunder's a thing and getting mad at Robert Downey Jr. once every two years. It's like, oh yeah, Seinfeld's a thing. I totally must have missed this. And not to mention the fact that that's the point. Yeah, the that's point the of the point. show is that they're bad and that they do bad things. They it's, are not. It's not like, funny unless they do bad things. When when the gimmick says the show is about nothing, it's also because of the fact that there are no long term relationships you're holding out for. You're not hoping. You're not waiting for that moment when Jerry and Elaine get together. The point is they're not very likable people, other than the fact that they're very funny people. That's right. And you're, funny in, in almost in the way that they speak and in the way that they tell their own stories, specifically every time they're. You're at the excited diner. to see what minor quirk about his girlfriend Jerry's gonna use as a reason to break up with her exactly this week. or what her what laugh she, strange she, thing george obsesses with like the like uh i just saw a clip i want to say it was about george's girlfriend who every time they would go get dinner she would go she throw would go up the, yeah. and and, and elaine's like she elaine's like should you be worried that she's anorexic and george is like i mean yeah but that's my money I, she's wasting or whatever because apparently in his mind yeah. she was not letting the meal digest which is terrible he's paying for it didn't meals. end up being she didn't actually end up ah, doing that i, fi- I, I figured not because that's how it always goes he, by the way okay yeah right, right right he always obsesses over uh i just watched that episode really really i don't know where i saw that though, he's he, dating the model and every time after she she eats like an animal and then she goes to the bathroom afterwards and he and then he tells elaine and kramer and they're like yeah you should you should yeah you should go make sure she's not throwing up which like i that. mean just it's it like I, I don't know like it's just 
It's just absurd. Also, just looking at the numbers, for, for what it's worth on Seinfeld, Seinfeld routinely in its first four seasons got an average of 20 million viewers a season. The season four finale uh, got 32 million viewers. That was all when the time slots constantly changed. Then for seasons five through nine, consistently the Thursday at 9 p.m. time slot never slipped below 29 and a half million viewers. The series finale got 76.3 million viewers. Is that highest ever for TV? Uh, I believe it is one of the highest rated more than, uh, more than MASH. Ever. Mm. Mash's Mash's rating is legendary stuff. I'm gonna Google it right now. Legendary actually. stuff. Well, as the as the resident empath in the room, I guess <laughs> I'll say that I enjoy Seinfeld and find it very funny. And I also really enjoy It's Always Sunny, which in that show they are ten times worse, no, a hundred times worse than anything Seinfeld does with how they are. And I find both those shows very funny because I can suspend my disbelief and have fun with the show. I was doing some research on Seinfeld on Netflix, and I've stumbled across this Gentleman's Quarterly article where the header image is just a really punched-in <laughs> picture of half of Jerry's head. Was it supposed to be more? You think he meant to do that? I don't. The The article is about how Seinfeld is now cropped to widescreen for 16 by 9 televisions now that it's on Netflix. Be, that might be a good joke. So I, th- it might be a joke, but I don't know. This is just a very funny image. <laughs> Yeah. So if you're watching on YouTube, I'll I'll present it to the camera. I've got the list here. It's all basically Super Bowls for the top 30 most watched things ever. Then Leon Spinks versus Muhammad Ali 2. Mm. And then MASH, Goodbye, Farewell, and Amen, 105 million views. They didn't have anything to do back then. That's like in more than a third of the country back then. Back then it was, I mean, I like see, that was 1980. They got to be hit those numbers. Did they, they check? Did somebody go well, around with a so, notepad and what say, What were people doing in the 80s? Is that a census question? So, did you watch MASH? <laughs> You're a citizen if you watch MASH. Viewership, you didn't, viewership is not an exact science. It's basically That's people accounted vote. by estimation on how many people own a TV and how many people must have been in the living room. So what? It's, never, it's never been accurate. I thought it was just like they checked the cable box to see if people were no, tuned into it's it. No, never, it's never completely... Well, okay, so yeah, it is. They, yeah, they use a so Nielsen box. they just box. guesstimate and they're like, oh yeah, I think this, I think no, this guy's not, watching it. No, it's not it. guesstimation. It's about saying, okay, so we know this many TVs are watching and then you basically do the estimate how many people are probably looking at this mm-hmm. TV. Oh. Because by probability, a subset of a randomly selected portion of the population should be demographically representative of the entire population. Exactly. And if, and if a certain amount of TVs have it, then you can basically say, all right, well, at least this many. In reality, it could have been more, which is the craziest thing. It very well could have been. You don't know. I mean, if if there's a bar hosting a MASH finale, which there very probably was, right? I mean, that's a thing. What I wouldn't We've give. all seen the Truman Show. Um... I mean, there's 45, 50 people sitting in one room watching one TV. You know, like stuff like that can happen. It's a so, two and a half hour episode. They just watched a movie. Yeah. Uh, and at that time, the U.S. population was 233 million. So it was actually closer to half. Closer to half. It was 10 million away from being half. More people than vote, you know? Yeah, that's true. More people probably watched, yeah, more people watched MASH that year yeah. than they did to vote. Did Absolutely. you vote? Yes or no? It's did little, you watch the MASH? A little finale? easier to watch MASH than vote. Other other top ranked episodes include the Dallas Who Done It. I think that's the episode oh, after who JR shot, got who shot. shot. JR. Who shot JR? Simpsons is better. 83.6 million. Who shot Mr. Burns? The finale of Cheers got 80 million. Ted the Ladies Single Figure Skating from the 1994 Winter Olympics, 78 numbers. million. Is that Tanya Harding? And then the television film. The day after got seventy six point seven million after, views. The day after tomorrow, the day after what? What's the what's know. the after part? Um, the day after is American Television from the first aired nine, November twentieth. I think it's about a meteor. The film postulates a fictional war between or the NATO forces war. and the Warsaw Pact. 
countries that rapidly escalates into full-scale nuclear exchange between the United States and the Soviet Union. The action itself focuses on the residents of Lawrence, Kansas, and Kansas City, Missouri, and of several farms near nuclear missile silos. The cast includes Joe Beth Williams, Steve Gutenberg, John Cullum, mm. that was the Jason Robards, and John Lithgow. That was a good year for TV. What were people doing in the 80s where they just sit in front of their TV and watching things? Getting scared about the, Russians and Korea, The I film guess. was also broadcast on the Soviet Union state TV in 1987 in a period of negotiations on the Intermediate Range of Nuclear Forces Treaty. The producers demanded that the Russian translation conform to the original script and the broadcast would not be interrupted. Boom. Awesome. Well, maybe that'll be the next episode of uh, Around the Block. Stop it. We're looking forward to uh, some more, though. We got a new one airing today. I'll talk to Davis about that when we come back from a break. Alex has got to say goodbye, but uh, we will be talking about Dune, Interstellar, and a whole lot more on the other side of the break. Don't go anywhere. Welcome back to Compact Discourse right here on WEGL 91.1 FM. I'm your host, Jack Hart, joined alongside Davis Carroll and Grayson Moyer will be joining us in the stead of Alex Houston, station manager, joining us. We're all having a good morning so far. We're going to hit your Auburn, Alabama weather report for this morning. It has warmed up quite a bit. It is 63 degrees, warmed up from 50 when we started the show. It's going to be warm in the sun today, 72 degrees, 43 is your low here in Auburn. 68 is what it's going to get up to. Clear skies all day, overnight temp of 45, so it's going to chill right back off when the sun sets at 445 tonight. So plan accordingly. Don't plan any outdoor activities too late now because it's going to be pretty dark by about 5 p.m. Except for the Weagle meeting. Come to that. Come come on down. We'll be having a great time out on the campus green. Staying warm. Uh, If you're coming to that, bring a hat. All right. uh, That was your uh, War Eagle weather update. As uh, we did not do that at the bottom of the hour. So we're coming right back with um, Davis. We discussed Seinfeld in the last break. We did. Uh, we discussed Astroworld before that. We did. And uh, we're going to close the show. I think we should talk about uh, your movie podcast and what movies you and – I know you and Grayson have been watching a lot of movies re- recently. We have. We watched some Matthew Lillard movies. We watched two Matthew Lillard movies. They were good. So we we got- watched uh, Scream and Hackers. Is Scream yeah. the same one – that you watched for Through the Lens? It is, yes. Scream, I, I had never seen it before. Scream is really good. I didn't know Matthew Lillard like was in that. He's, yeah, he's no a main spoilers. character. Is he no, the Scream? No, no spoilers. spoilers. Okay. That kind of just gave it all. Fair enough. He's not, I wouldn't call him a main character in Hackers, but he rules in it. He was cool. Matthew Lillard. He was, he was skating around. He, it was like Jet like Punk Revolution. He was like movie. Jet Punk Radio or, or Jet Set Radio. Yeah, yeah. No. Two great, two great movies. Awesome actor. Bring him along. I had a pretty pretty hit tweet the other day. Had five likes from, and one of them was from Daily Matthew Lillard about Matthew Lillard. It was perfect. Matthew Lillard, um, for the uneducated out there, he played Shaggy mm. in the live action Scooby Doo films. He you, still plays Shaggy. He's mean, the definitive current voice of Shaggy. Once Casey Kasem was like, "I don't want to do that anymore." Well, there's a couple other reasons now he that can't do it anymore. Can eat meat. Well, yeah, <laughs> but uh, yeah, Shaggy uh, is Matthew Lillard. 
Yeah. So you, you, that that could be your cultural touch point. I know those those movies resonate with our generation quite well. So uh, explore the, explore the Lillard verse, if you will. He's great. You remember He's when great. Casey Kasem got kidnapped or whatever? Huh? Excuse me. There was like I remember. He like went missing, and his daughter was like, "He, I have it pulled." Up. You you need to verify this information I before it. you say it over the air. They found him, but like his daughter was like, "My dad's been kidnapped." I think he just wandered off. That's cool. Was this recent? No, it was like back in like uh, 2014. Oh, that's still more recent than I would have. Yeah, assumed. I thought it was older than that. That's too. recent in the timeline of Casey Kasem. Yeah, and it's Casey Kasem. You never know. I don't like it when old people get up to mischief like that. Yeah. I mean, generally it's not because, you know, they're of sound mind, but, you know, whatever. I, I am opining on Casey Kasem's mental state. <laughs> That's another good word. Opine? Opine. Awesome. The lawyer word. Mm. Davis, can thinking, you, thinking hard about it. Yeah, I mean. I Is mean, that admissible in court? The word what, opine? opine? You're not supposed to opine, or at least yeah, you unless can't, you're Don't expert. state your opinions in court. You got to state the facts. Unless you're an expert witness. That's true. And then you have statements, you have experience to back up your opinions. Grayson knows what he's talking about. All right, what's coming up on Through the Lens today, Davis? Today we'll be recording at 12 today. We'll be recording Interstellar. Oh, just just Interstellar? Interstellar? Yes. Like the previous 10 episodes have been more than one movie. Yeah. This is is a big movie. Interstellar's worth a whole episode? It's a long movie. It is a long movie. There's a lot to talk about. We can talk about, we're going to talk about. just it in general, what we like about it, the acting, obviously, behind the scenes. And then I'm going to spend, I have been delegated the scientist of the episode. Well, I that's have trouble. Yeah, it's, it's trouble. I mean, I, I guess between you and Alex. I do I have. Guess a, you are the scientist. I have a lot of interest in space. You know, I'm, I'm something of a scientist myself. Mm, we don't need any more engineers after all. What, what episode's going to be airing while you're recording this one? What's going to play over probably the radio the today? Probably the Dune one, I think. Dune. If Alex, right. if Alex, if Alex did it, I'm not I sure. hope he did. I'm going to yell at him if he didn't. Alex, I, I love being people's soon. boss. I think it's you'll yell at him if he didn't do it. <laughs> if I'm being completely honest. Just knowing the dynamic of our <laughs> organization. Yeah. All right. Did you enjoy wow. Interstellar? Like, no spoilers, but do you, do you have a history with this film? I've probably seen this movie 30 times. 30 times? Really? It's up there. It's double digits for sure. I don't know about 30, but it's definitely more than 10. I watched it for the first time with you. I watched it for the second time also with you. Boom. Um, you, you put me onto this book, this companion book about the science of Interstellar um, that really does a deep dive into... All the mystical, book, mystical magic, yeah, by Kip, <laughs> Kip Thorne. Uh, for those of us watching on our video live stream over on YouTube, you can check out the cover of that one. Um, are there pictures in that one? There is. So I, I, uh, you, you put me onto this book, and I, I picked it up in audiobook form to listen to on my runs over the summer. Pretty dense material. Uh, it is very dense <laughs> to, um, to get you going uh, on a jog, but it. Constantly told me to refer to my companion PDF. Refer to your companion piece. <laughs> uh, but you know, I I think I have a pretty vivid imagination, so I could pretty much surmise what they were talking about. But um, is that part of why you like Interstellar? Is because of its commitment to get things right? That's yeah, that's definitely part of the reason. I'm if I could have my dream job, I'd probably be an astronaut. To be honest with that, or a paleontologist, like or archaeologist, like Indiana Jones. Fun fact about me. So I'm really not like Indiana Jones, though. Not, I mean, like, not killing people, but like swashbuckling, swinging from chandeliers, yeah, (laughs) fighting people, maybe dealing with poison. My dream job is being Brendan Fraser in the Mummy. I don't know what his occupation was, but he was cool. He was in the French Foreign Legion. (laughs) So already, I know what that is. off Off to a good start. He could get married. 
Is that some, wasn't that something with the French Foreign Legion, right? I believe so. I think they can grow beards, though. Mm. Such a deep bit. But yeah, I'm going to be talking about the science of it. I love uh, space science in layman's terms, I guess, is a one way to describe it. I'm excited. I'm a big fan. Were, space were, science. You a, were you a space kid or were you a recent convert? I was a space kid. Interesting. I, I had. I remember I had some space kid. books. Did you like know the order of the planets and like what their scale was and stuff? Uh, I, mean, I, I obviously knew the order of the planets. I yeah. feel like that My was very like, energetic that, mother just bought whatever, whatever, whatever it is. Oh, you don't know it. Whatever bought us <laughs> pizza. I, I I can't remember the thing. I can name them in order right now if you'd like. But uh, yeah, like I think like a tick I had as a child was I would always draw maps of the solar system. Terrible. It was just it was very <laughs> what? it was very pleasing to me. I'd be like, okay, yeah, you draw the rings. You draw the little one. And then you like know how big they are relative to each other, how far apart, what order they're in, and then you get to color them because they're all they're very colorful. Have you been tested by a doctor? I mean, definitionally, yes. I think you have to to come to college, but um, sometimes you have to be careful about the things you want to know. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you know, Jupiter's the biggest. That's true. Besides the sun, I didn't. Okay, obviously. so one thing I learned pretty recently, I still have trouble believing, is that you can fit all the planets in between us and the moon, or it was something crazy like that. There are a lot of interesting space facts, which is why space is a uh, Interesting wealth of knowledge. It's I the don't next think that thing about the moon is true. I've seen it many times, <laughs> and I'm pretty sure it is true. I, I but I, I cannot. A different no, fact. I promise you that is what it is. Like we are, we're close to no, the moon. I got it but right we're here. Not that close. You could fit all the planets between Earth and Moon. Wow, thirty, which is crazy. From what source? Three hundred uh, math universe. Yeah, three hundred eighty-four thousand kilometers. Don't, There's don't the moon right there. Google There's the moon. Search, no, this is real. They, they got them all. They lined them all up. You see right here. They, they did this. They lined them all they up. Did <laughs> they did this. Um, with eight thousand kilometers to spare. So okay. With, with about the United, universe today. With about the United States to spare in between of extra space. All right. Um, I had one more thing. I will back off. If you of being unwound, long. if you unwound Saturn's rings, it said it'd be longer than that. Interesting. This, by based off this image. <laughs> based off this <laughs> cursory <laughs> image search. Um, you've also got the whole... Oh, so guy from Twitter. Mer- I don't believe it anymore. Mercu- Mercury is the closest uh, planet to every other planet conundrum. You know, space, yeah. is, space is infinitely interesting because it's so vast. And that's part of the allure of Interstellar and, and, and films like it. Do you think it's you think it's infinite? Um, Maybe not infinite. It's not the right word. I mean, it's expanding. Ex- ever expanding. We know that. Is there, that's an, that's not a, that's is not there a an end of the universe? We shall see. There's, Only time will tell. It's or like in Futurama where they go to the end of the universe and there's a door. Only yeah, s- it's Futurama. <laughs> Only space. That's not science. I know it's not. <laughs> Only space will tell, I guess you could say, since time is space. Okay. If, if Captain Kirk can, if whatever his name is. If the black hole is the oyster. Then the singularity is Are you, you going to be rolling out your bag of impressions for the Interstellar episode? Ooh. I will. No promises they'll be good. Alex does not like him. That's Matthew a given. <laughs> don't don't do it Itch. right now. You got to save it for the show. Camp, camp. All right, <laughs> those uh, aren't mountains. Those are waves. That is just gonna have to do it for today's episode of Compact Discourse. I want to thank everybody for joining me today. I want to thank you for spending your Monday morning with us here in uh, the studio here in Auburn, Alabama. And with that, we are gonna call it for today. Thank you so much for listening to this exciting episode of Compact Discourse right here on WEGL 91.1 FM, however you joined us today, whether that be from your radio antenna from WeagleFM.com or by listening to our podcast. We'd like to remind you that all of our previous episodes are available as a podcast, commercial-free, wherever podcasts are heard. Search for Compact Discourse. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at CDiscAU. That's at C-D-I-S-C-A-U for links to the podcast, information about the show, and to get updates about the show, you can also tweet at us at that handle. 
to get your voice on the show and join the conversation of Auburn's only student-run Drive Time Morning Show. You might also want to follow WEGL on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at WEGL underscore AU. That's Weagle underscore AU. Our dedicated team of marketing professionals is working tirelessly to provide you high-quality content for fans of the station. And with that, for Jack Hart, Alex Houston, Davis Carroll, Grayson Moyer, and uh, Carl Vajanitor, this has been another exciting episode of Compact Discourse. We wish you a great rest of your Monday and week. We will talk with you tomorrow, 8 a.m., for the next episode of Compact Discourse. As always, this is Jack Hart signing off. Go 1-0. Have a great rest of your day. Stay warm and War Eagle. As there's a drive in a deep left field by Castellanos, it will be a home run.